0: Better late than never. Almost didn't get this episode in. Things have been very busy lately. This has been a very productive week. Writing has been accomplished. Writing's been done. Um, Creativity has been sparking a lot. And overall, the time of productivity has been utilized greatly. And I think that with this past week being as nice as it was, and the spring weather is slowly coming in and uh, allowing itself to overtake us, I think that will only produce greatness. will only get the mind working and going and not sitting around doing nothing. This week has been anything but that, and I didn't even know if I was going to get an opportunity to record this today Recording it later than usual, but here we are, and we can talk about some movies. Last night, revisited one of my favorite films, going back to 1974. Mr. Francis Ford Coppola's The Conversation. Great cast, you got Gene Hackman, John Cazale, Harrison Ford, and Robert Duvall in small roles. This was just a, such a delight to revisit, you know, Coppola making four films in the 70s, and all four are undeniable masterpieces. Um, it would be one thing if the track record was good on its own right, man, but making four of the greatest films of all time, The Godfather, The Conversation, The Godfather Part Two. And Apocalypse Now, I mean, man, one of those alone would be impressive on a resume. The fact he did all four of those is something else. I actually, unbeknownst to me at the time, this past week, watched another of Coppola's films, an early film of his, called The Bellboy and the Playgirls, which is a a nudie cutie from, I think, 1964. I might be wrong about that it's not fully coppola's film i mean parts of the 1962 i apologize parts of the film are redubbed from a previous film while other parts involve a bellboy working at a hotel who i believe is trying to be a detective or he's doing some detective work with some women that are staying there truthfully I uh, wasn't a fan it was very meandering it was an hour and a half and it felt like much much longer and the lead actor was a bit too um, theatrical for my liking but it is interesting to see one of his early starts I know he would he did a film before that to my knowledge And then he did, I believe, The Terror and Dementia 13, as well as uh, Finian's Rainbow, uh, a couple other films that I'm forgetting the names of, but The Conversation. We have Gene Hackman in the film, man, and he plays somebody who is a loner who specializes in surveillance, in audio surveillance. And the beginning of the film is a... This great setup to the to the whole film. We have uh, a couple in the park and they're having what's like, seemingly a banal, kind of mundane conversation about various things. About one of the homeless men sleeping on a bench and other such things. And this conversation sets up the whole film where Gene Hackman's character was hired to spy on these two and There's something more going on. Of course, we go we go back again and again to this conversation, and we see we learn more and more about Gene Hackman's techniques and uncover more information. Not necessarily the 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 specifics of it. That's not what the film is. It's just he is somebody who is very dedicated and focused in his field, and is the best one of the best. Um, because he is always, he's a character who is always on edge um, and doesn't show it. He is a very paranoid character. At the simplest questions, he will retort with more questions. Why did you ask that? Why do you want to know? And on. So These kind of characters... Uh, are the most interesting because they are characters who are dedicated to their craft and their work in an obsessive way and shutting themselves off from the rest of the world early on we have a interesting dynamic between him and a woman and the film subverts expectations and that character does not come back in the film she asks the wrong question and there is no second chance with him and You can look at Coppola's four films that he made this decade, man. And you can look at specific sequences that highlight the films. And uh, The Godfather, you have the great sequence when Michael goes to the restaurant and uh, confronts the police chief and the other character who um, uh, 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 wronged him. And actually, funny enough... Now, here's something that totally blew my mind, man, which I never knew. That that character who plays the police chief in, well, I don't know if he was the chief exactly, but he was the character who um, roughed up Michael. Uh, that Sterling Hayden, man, from Terror into Texas Town, a 1958 film, and I just watched him in another film, man. What the hell did I just watch? I, mean, I have to look this up now. I just watched him in another film, and I was, I thought, oh my god. I never even knew that was him. That's right. The other film that I just watched him in, which I can't even talk about yet, which it's a 1956 film, and you probably already know what it is, but not talking about 1956 films until I get to that episode. But it was uh, just a funny connection. So anyways, you have that sequence in The Godfather, or you have the rooftop uh, sequence with Don Vito, the godfather part two or the confrontation with marlon brando in apocalypse now and the sequence in the conversation that blew me away as uh, blows me away every time i see it purely just on character interactions and dialogue is the sequence after a surveillance convention where they go back to uh uh Gene Hackman and John Cazale's characters they both work together in a in a uh, warehouse doing surveillance and they go back there and the whole way it begins and ends is is it, it tells us so much about Gene Hackman's characters i, I and it, i i love the way that this character is written where he is the smartest character in the room. He is a focused character. He doesn't partake in trivial matters of drinking and, uh, I should say, uh, 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 over drinking and of women and uh, and uh, uh, conversations with no point. Uh, but once that another character sort of puts a crack in the armor, it it's like it's explosive. And when I say explosive, I don't mean uh, a, a lesser actor and lesser writing would have that character start yelling and screaming, and, and the drama would be mista- uh, 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 uh Screaming and yelling would be mistaken for written drama, which is what I see so often. Is that the performance was so good, and then you watch it, and the character's just yelling and crying, and you go. Well, you perfected the art of yelling and crying, but you didn't really get much for performance. But Gene Hackman's reaction says so much. And what I love in that sequence is the guard being built up and him socializing and trying to divert it. And then once he has a crack in his armor, he goes right back to his shell and the fallout of that and what happens the next day it's just a masterclass in filmmaking and the way that this film goes along and the way that coppola shoots certain sequences it feels very procedural there's a great moment when he, uh, hackman's character just keeps re-listening back to this audio again and again And this technique doesn't work, so he tries a different technique to get some more frequency out of it. Or I'm not sure the exact terminology behind the audio. But he just keeps trying. He's focused, man. He's somebody who's determined. We have John Cazale in the film, the the late, great John Cazale. And he is uh, getting on his nerves. We see that. We feel that. We're trying to piece it all together. And it's just a simple sequence of changing a couple things and maybe not quite getting there, but maybe there's some new information and it's genius, man. And the, uh, the third act, I mean, I, I watching it again this time, I somehow miraculously had forgotten the reveal in this film. This is my third time seeing the film and I had, it's been quite a while since I've seen it last. Um, but the reveal, when you finally find out what is what it's all about, what's going on, it is something that I... Uh, it's, it's just it's masterful, man. It totally subverts your expectations, not once, but twice. And when you get to the finale of the film, it has one of just a strong ending, strong final shot, final sequence to... I think that's something that Coppola does so well is the final sequence, the memorable endings of these films. You, you never forget the ending of The Godfather, especially not The Godfather Part Two. the iconic image of a certain character sitting, looking out at what just happened, or Apocalypse Now, the aftermath of the past five minutes. and The conversation is a film that, I mean, you have two kings of the 70s, Coppola and Hackman, and together you have one of the strongest films ever and the uh, an obvious double feature would be with Brian De Palma's Blowout which is a uh, another phenomenal masterpiece about sound recording for a film and the conspiracy that goes with that that is more of a wrong place wrong time this is mo- this film is more of a not, yeah. Uh, what's the what's the phrase I'm looking for? How far are you willing to go for the truth? And what is what is the outcome of the truth? Um, these paranoid types of films. I just I love. I, I don't. I'm not paranoid myself about this stuff. In fact, if I was in the situation, I would say, Hey, man, this audio is all yours. It's just give me my money, and I'll be on my way. But we learn more about pac past and why you can understand why he would not want to back down. Unlike a film like The Parallax View, which is another phenomenal film, Alan Pacula, uh, or Pacula. I've heard it pronounced different ways, but you have Warren Beatty's character in that film who is a reporter and for all intents and purposes would be smart to back off at multiple points in the film. But his his cocky arrogance leads him down a... Bad rabbit hole, whereas in this film, uh, you can totally understand why he would, because of something that has happened before, and but wanting to right the wrongs of his past, and it's a just a chilling film, incredibly chilling ending, and um, I just think one of the strongest films in Coppola's resume, in a in a resume that's already filled with masterpieces. Um, I think Coppola truly is one of the geniuses of cinema, and I look forward to his new projects that he's working on that he is, uh, I don't know what it's called, it's, I think it has Moon in the title, but I'm very curious. I recently watched Twixt a little while ago, because if you guys know me, I'm a big Vincent Gallo fan. And uh, I heard it was a pretty good film, a new Coppola film from 2009, I believe. And I won't talk about that because my memory isn't the best on that film. But, um, man, Twixt is, uh, not Twixt. Oh, oh, geez, Louise, man. Geez, Louise, I'm talking about Tetro. Oh, my gosh, I'm sorry, folks. That Twixt is the film he did later with Val Kilmer. Oh, my gosh, how embarrassing. I apologize. Tektro is the film I'm talking about. One word title with the T in the beginning. Tech was the film. I've heard Twixt isn't very good. I haven't seen that film yet, but... Uh, perhaps I'll get to that at some point. But The Conversation is a must, must watch. It's a film that gets better every time I see it. And a film that... Um, like Heckman's character going over the audio again and again. It's a film that you're going to want to go over again and again. And, and just enjoy getting... Uh, watching the mystery unravel, right to the very end, um, just a phenomenal piece of obsessive uh, of obsessive characters, isolated obsessive characters. Not just isolated characters who are um, who are phenomenal at something, but are not impenetrable at their skill. Think of the color of money with um, Paul Newman. One of the best sequences in that film is. And Paul Newman realizes that he may not be the best anymore. And, well, that's a conversation for another day. Another great, right there, Scorsese. It's late when I'm recording this, so I apologize if um, my memory is a little fried. But I want to talk about another film. 1968, The Great Silence, directed by Sergio Corbucci. Starring Klaus Kinski and Jean-Louis Trinigant and i tell you talking about mind being blown because i was watching this film and i was going who is that lead it's not franco nero but this is a film that i imagine franco nero could have easily starred in but he looks like franco nero so i look up and it's jean louis Trinigant, and i go oh my gosh man i just talked about him if you remember from the first episode we talked about my night at Mons, directed by eric romer and he is unrecognizable going from this film to that. He has no dialogue in the film. He is the silent lead. He's a mute gunslinger who only goes after those. He can only attack, I should say, if he icks in self-defense. There's a great sequence early on when he is he provokes a guy just by opening the door. And the way that scene ends, it's just genius man and there's beautiful open vistas of white snowy cocaine white landscapes man in this film you don't see a whole lot of winter westerns and i imagine that tarantino must have been influenced by this for the hateful aid hell especially with the sequence with the door being open if you've seen the hateful aid that's a running joke for a while is the door being open um, that could easily be a reference to the thing from another world but there's a uh, there's no way that Tarantino isn't a big fan of this film, and for good reason. This was a film that I always heard about in terms of the best and most violent uh, westerns. I think uh, 42nd Street Pete talked about it briefly in his book, which is where I believe I heard of it. Or maybe not heard of it, but it kind of kickstarted me getting this film. I believe he may have mentioned Cutthroat Nines as well, another phenomenal, mean spirited. Spanish Western. I believe it's a Spanish Western. Cutthroats 9 is a terrific film and a must-see. Um, this film is not as violent as Cutthroats 9. There is there is definitely blood in the film, but Cutthroats 9 is much more um, mean-spirited and gruesome. There's a great sequence, great moment at the beginning of Cutthroats 9 of a character getting killed with a chain, and we see the chain uh, uh, going into... Uh, uh, the. the, the the, the, the chain being submerged Peter Muck's in the guy's skin. Kind of like if you've seen Don't Torture a Duckling, the way a character is killed in that film, it's kind of the same thing. But the great silence. There's a great back and forth between Klaus Kinski and Jean-Louis get. Klaus Kinski is just... He is just messing with him. There are great sequences where he knows that he can't get him unless it's in self-defense, and he just totally messes with him. And they have a great back and forth klaus kinski is such a great bastard in the film and will oh also another thing i forgot to mention before in terms of the hateful eight which i there's no way man this is two quints down to not be referenced but there's a whole sequence where there's a i believe there's a sheriff in one of the towns who has to um get in a carriage and klaus kinski is a bounty hunter and he just he just go he is just relentless after people, uh, and he has a whole bunch of bodies that he wants to put on top of the carriage, and that ha- t- that has to be a nod from Tarantino. There, there's no way that it can't, and if it isn't or if it was not intentional, then I believe there has to be some subconscious there. Um, like I said, beautiful open landscapes in this film, great white landscapes. The violence in this film, it's gruesome, but it's not exploitive. Characters are openly shot in the face, and the violence is more emotional than it is exploitive. And the ending of the film is um, incredibly powerful. I think the ending of the film is something that a lot of people talk about, but the emotion behind it and the surprise behind it is just as important because more so than where the film ends up uh, is what happens. Um, I'm trying to phrase it in a way that's not spoilery, but uh, you don't think a character will go as far as they were willing to. And they say a a, a line after a a horrible act of violence has just happened. And that line says it all. And and it's just incredibly chilling. It's, It's just an incredible film. I don't know how well seen this is i think this is one that western and cult fans might know about um but i don't know how talked about this is um sergio corbucci it's just uh, i believe he directed oh geez louise this is gonna be uh, this is where i might bite my tongue i think he directed sabata with lee van cleef but i might be wrong about that so please don't quote me on that Hmm. I could look it up, but I'm not going to. The Great Silence, though. This has a Blu-ray out. I rented this. This is a terrific, terrific film. And um, one of the strongest... Uh, I don't know if this was... Uh, well, I guess the release dates might be kind of tricky because people like to classify pre- and post-Westerns of the Wild Bunch. But uh, I think, well, The Wild Bunks was a year later, but I'm not sure the release date on what, uh, what this is. Doesn't matter, but either way, this is a must-watch for sure. Been getting a lot of work done lately, so the um, some of the films that I watched recently are ones that I could go into, but more. But for the sake of time, I'm going to narrow it down to one more. We'll talk about one more here. And then we're going to get out of here because I see that time is like always not on my side. Let's see. Let's we'll talk about the new Link later film. This is a new release from 2022. Apollo 10 and a half, a space age childhood. And Linklater is so interesting because he's a filmmaker and I haven't seen all his work. There's a couple of his films I still haven't seen. Ironically, the this is an animated film as well. Um, and I say ironically because I think his most famous and well-known animated film has got to be Waking Life, uh, which I haven't seen But he also did a scanner darkly, which I have seen and quite enjoy, although I don't... I remember being very confused by the end of that film and needing to reference other material to fully, I guess, understand the conclusion. But now I'm not sure the style of animation here. I believe this may have been partially rotoscoped, which... But I think it's also I think some of it was also green screened as well. I'm not exactly sure on the specifics of it because some of it looked um, like a traditional rotoscope choppy way, but then other times it looked uh, very digital. Whereas a Scanner Darkly, to my knowledge, was entirely rotoscopes. But don't quote me on that. My I'm not much of an animation uh, expert on that, but. Apollo 10 and a half it's a reflection on a childhood that's partially fantasy, partially historical about a secret mission between Apollo 10 and 11, where you have this kid who uh, gets recruited by NASA to do a run to the moon to, I believe, test the equipment or something along those lines. But we follow his life and his family and different passages and memories that he has it's a film where a film like this where I get frustrated where people say oh it wasn't wasn't even it wasn't a story they were just passages There were just it, it, there was no um, people are, are, are they try so hard to look for a story in films that are not specifically trying to do one. Man, except Tarantino I guess would call it a hangout film in a way um, which I don't care if, I'm more interested in the characters than I am a story man because if, if your characters suck I don't care how good your story is I'm not going to want to be on that journey with those characters that's why films like Tulane Blacktop I are some of my favorites Tulane Blacktop is uh, one of my all time favorite films because I love the characters in that film. I love the journey they go on. And I love... The ambivalence... And of, uh, of their way of life. And it's a film that I think needs to be... Seen more than once to be able to appreciate. Because you watch it on it the first time... Man... You ain't gonna get... I don't know how much you're gonna get out of it. You have to surrender to the film... And I'm going off on a tangent, man. I'm running out of time, and here I am talking about Tulane Blacktop. But Apollo 10 it's not great, but it's very good. I think the strongest parts of the film are the montages of reflections that this character has. I don't know the character's name, but it's narrated by Jack Black, um, who does a very, uh, a very good job at narration. I'm surprised he does not do more voice work. Because uh, he is very good in the film, but we get to these passages in the film where you have um, kind of like flashes of memory, where you just have moments in time of uh, in this in the fictional part of just looking back on a time and a place in this part of the country. I forgot where the part of the country was, wherever NASA was um, when it got into. The second half that was more into the journey and about the 10 and a half trip, still good, but lost me a little bit. I think when, ironically, Linklater does a better job here looking back on a childhood than he did with Boyhood, which was a film I wasn't particularly a fan of. Um, but what he always is good at, Besides Boyhood is dialogue. I think that's why the Before Trilogy is so strongly acclaimed. Because of the strong writing. Especially Before Midnight. Uh, and the dialogue here. It it feels honest but not realistic. But it's funny because then Linklater will do works. Like Dazed and Confused and Everybody Wants Some. Where it feels more natural. It feels more honest. And even though I wasn't a fan of Everybody Wants Some, that was a film that I had a lot of respect for because there are moments in the film that feel very um, honest with the characters and the interactions felt real. Characters don't get their comeuppets that they would in traditional films, but they are just existing with each other. And Dazed and Confused, of course, is just one of the great 90s films. It's just a film that just gets better and better every time I see it. And maybe I'll warm up to Everybody Wants Some, but the time hasn't come yet. But the time has come for the end of the episode. And um, never enough time. So use the time you got sparingly. Use it creatively. Uh, Sparingly is not the right word. Use it to the best of your abilities. Uh, Work on your craft. Work on your art. Don't settle for just hanging out. Don't settle for on, for non-productivity. Work on your art. Work on whatever craft it is you're trying to home in. Home in. That's not a word. I better get out of here before I uh, start stumbling over my words. But that's all I got to say.